welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. So what's going on in the world today? What's going to be happening tomorrow? What has happened in the past? These are questions that everybody asks at one time or another. We go through the past. We often forget what has happened before, what has gone on before, uh, what we've said before, what we have done before, and that's because the, the brain is a finite instrument. It uh, is not perfect. It doesn't remember everything. And so, therefore, we study history, and if we do not study history, we will probably make the same mistakes again in our own lives, on an individual basis, and on a society basis, on a national basis, on a worldwide basis. And, of course, that's what's happened, is that we have strayed from the formula and we are paying the price. Things are happening. Things are changing. We are changing. We are changed by our environment. We are changed by our actions. These things cannot be done without a cause and effect. I recently uh, sent out some posts to a local constitutional group. I guess it's local, local to the United States. Uh, that's local to someone who thinks globally and the kingdom of course is not only global but it's universal in nature it's everywhere and uh, it's within our reach everywhere and no matter what nation we're in obviously some nations are a little bit more copacetic to living the kingdom lifestyle than others but generally speaking throughout the world today the kingdom is not well received there are remote areas where you can go still, and it is better received than uh, the uh, uh, first world countries uh, that have become very totalitarian uh, from uh, European Union. We see some problems there coming up with Greece and, and uh, many of the other nations, even Italy should have never been in the European Union. They never met the qualifications for joining, but everybody just turned a blind eye and said, well, that's okay. And so we see problems developing there. But the whole system, I mean, uh, the uh, gross national product of France and, uh, and Germany alone amounts to about 70% of the European Union. And yet there's all these countries in it, uh, supposedly with equal status. And that will cause dissension amongst them eventually because they do not have the character of Christ in the population. The same thing goes on in local con congregations of people on the network. You're going to find division. You're going to find uh, sectarianism. Uh, you're going to find conflict because those people on a local basis, uh, everybody is not equal. We are not all equal. We're equal in the eyes of God in the sense that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, but all of us have walked this path and changed our equality or been changed by it. So we're not really equal. And I don't know where the idea that came from that we are all equal. We are not all equal. And therefore, there's going to be some that have one idea and some that have another idea and some that are a little bit more cantankerous and some that are a little bit more patient and it's going to be conflict but when your survival in society in the world depends upon those people whom you have come into congregation with you will either learn to forgive one another so that you also may be forgiven or you will divide your local congregation the world makes it very easy to do that because they don't require any moral character and you can get plenty of welfare from them, plenty of care. <coughs> uh, in, in this email I sent out to this local constitutional group, uh, they were debating this idea of income tax and uh, whether or not it was legal and I've seen these debates for 30 years and of course income tax is not only legal it's not only constitutional 
it is not only the law for most people, uh, there really isn't any way most people can get out of income tax, and you should pay it. If you owe it, you pay, should pay it. The question was really, why do you owe it? They were thinking that these governments are just simply um, uh, thugs. And, well, they may be thugs. I mean, many people that are, you know, I've seen known policemen, uh, carried a gun and a badge myself for a living, uh, was going to make it a career at one time. Uh, and the fact is there are a lot of policemen and government officers out there who aren't much more than thugs. And there's some that are really good guys. And the good have always been in the minority, and the uh, lukewarm has always been in the majority, and there's always been an active, uh, immoral uh, agent in society. And that's the way it's always been. Now, the numbers may change, but generally speaking, uh, when the apostles asked Jesus, were the many saved or the few, he wouldn't even answer the question. But he told them to strive. That was his answer, strive because the gates were narrow, broad is the way to destruction. So back to this idea, is the income tax legal? Absolutely. Uh, it's based on contract. It's actually based on private contract. And the Constitution guarantees your right to contract and forbids the government from interfering with your right to contract. I mean, many people have said, you know, the Federal Reserve is a private corporation. Uh, this is not a new idea. It's been around for a long time. Nobody really denies it. Uh, even the uh, Federal Reserve says they're the banker's banker. And uh, it's a strange organization. It's an odd organization. It should have never come about. But it is constitutional because it is based on contract. It is not necessarily moral. It certainly doesn't provide just weights and measures. It's uh, heavily enmeshed into usury. It is very deceptive in the way in which banking systems at all work. I mean, Josiah Stamp says that uh, the whole banking system was born in inequity. Uh, he's one of the richest men in the, the world at one time. Uh, thought very little of these ideas of Federal Reserve and fractional reserve banking. Very bad idea. Always leads to disaster. But you have the right to choose. And if Christians were really Christians in America, and America was really a Christian nation when they came out with these Federal Reserve notes and many of the bank notes that already were in circulation, that's how people got used to the idea of just using notes rather than actual just weights and measures in their pocket, like Moses said. Uh, they would have said, oh, well, I, we, don't, we don't use those notes. When you went into a Christian store, they said, oh, well, we don't accept those notes. Uh, you know, we believe that the... The debt should be paid by sundown. You know, we shouldn't be handing out these notes that that's not just weights and measures. We should actually go to the trouble of actually dealing in real commodity money, money that actually has value. And it could be all kinds. I mean, you'd be better off. Some people say, oh, it doesn't make any difference. All you, have, you can use seashells if you want. Well, of course, some nations did use seashells. And you would be better off using seashells rather than Federal Reserve notes. So the Federal Reserve notes changed the environment of the nation quite a bit. I mean, there were notes around, but that really consolidated the manufacture of banknotes. So uh, it isn't there isn't necessarily a prohibition in God's law about using such notes, but it would be used very limitedly. I mean, basically, uh, every check you write is a banknote. But it's, it's an instrument by which you are trying to get somebody paid right away. And the more you stray away from the actual payment right away, the more likely you will get into trouble. But a Federal Reserve system is, is just horrible. And we write about it in the Covenants of the Gods. But we also write about something else in the Covenants of the Gods. And it's in the chapter, Employ versus Enslave. Download it for free on the net at hisholychurch.org anytime you want and read it. You can get it in PDF, you can get it in printable booklet form, you can get it in HTML. It's all up there for free. And it tells you why you owe income tax. It explains it out in, in fairly good detail and very few pages. But you owe it for the same reason the Israelites owed 20% of their labor to the government every year. Had to give 20% of everything they produced to the government every year. They called that bondage. 
And that's what it is. It's bondage. It's not slavery. I saw somebody send some video recently trying to explain government and, and these huge holes in their understanding of history. And I, I don't... I sympathize with their intent, but uh, the people of, of uh, Egypt were not slaves. Slavery never, as that word is often defined, was never popular in Egypt. They didn't need it. They had a system, uh, a Corby system of statutory labor, where 20% of the labor of everybody had to go to the government. Now, you could actually pay it with a sum of uh, some sort of currency. All the gold and silver was in the treasury, and they had a, a uh, printable currency. Um, they had uh, you know, the paper that they made, the papyrus, but they, that's very flimsy, and so they made their money out of clay and baked it in ovens. And it had markings on it from the government. And uh, it was issued by the temples, which were literally the banks of those days. And those uh, little clay scarabs and, and, and clay tablets, which represented money, were used as exchange. There were other items that were used as exchange, a very rural economy. They didn't need a huge amount of currency flowing. But there's always need for currency because Egypt was dealing in foreign trade. Um, huge sums of uh, grain were sent out and people were paid, so the farmers brought these in. But 20% of their labor had to go to the government, and the government supplied them with welfare in the times of need. Now, that varied over the centuries. And by Hatshepsut, uh, it was still a fairly benevolent system, but the people were becoming more and more dependent upon it. But with income tax, with a ceiling limit of one-fifth, 20%, still that way today in Egypt, uh, in the United States, they didn't put that ceiling limit on there. We weren't as good at dealing with these things uh, as Joseph was. Uh, it, it's become a tremendous burden. Now, there are other ways to... <coughs> There's other ways of taxing the people. Um, those of you who are listening and, and know my email, go ahead and send us an email and let us know how the sound is. Uh, we've done a lot of adjusting. I hope everything is coming through clear. So just send us an email. I'll check it at the break. But uh, And those of you who have the number can actually call in. Uh, we're not going to announce it on the air. We only announce it on the Living Network. Uh, so you have to join the Living Network if you want to call in and, and ask any questions. Um, the same with our talk show. Uh, we only announce that number usually on the Living Network or on the network. So you'd have to join that to become a part of what we're doing. But what was going on in Egypt was people didn't have any way of taking care of themselves during hard times, during a famine. And they went to the pharaoh, and the pharaoh had accumulated a great amount of grain because he had the good advice of uh, uh, Joseph. And as a matter of fact, that dream that the pharaoh had, that's already taken place, and you should have already stocked up your grain, um, or at least made provisions so that you could take care of yourself, because there's another famine coming. They always come. And uh, those of you who uh, want to get through that, you need to stock up, but... The wheat that Christ wants us to gather are his people, and people working together to uh, to form a network of faith, hope, and charity, because that's what you're going to need before all is said and done. So anyway, they went into bondage because of a famine. Most of the people in the United States went into bondage because of a depression. And uh, the government was bankrupt. The, the Federal Reserve was holding back its... Uh, it's uh, easy money, and uh, plummeted the, the people into a depression. They would have got out of it. They had been in these before if they had just worked their way out of it, but they looked to benefactors, or men who called themselves benefactors, but they were the very men who exercised authority. And one of those was FDR. He was a social democrat, just like Adolf Hitler. Uh, he believed in uh, socialism and democracy. He wanted to take care of everybody from cradle to grave. That's what the, the terms was used by the man who devised the Social Security system for him and sold it in uh, uh, Congress as if it was insurance. And, and my emphasis is based on actual quotes from his book. 
was not insurance, and it was a core B system of statutory labor, whereby you would have to pay in uh, a small percentage of money to handle the Social Security payments of the old age needy people of your society, and for another purpose, whereby you waived the right to a portion of your labor. And in exchange, you got a federal employee identification number issued by the Social Security Administration. It was your Social Security number. Now, you can get a federal employee identification number from other agencies, but it would not be a Social Security number. Uh, if, you, if you get it from the Social Security Department, it is your federal employee identification number. That is what it says in, in the law. So people who are going around saying, where is the law? There it is. You're a federal employee. Now, you're not a federal employee all the time. And you only a federal employee when you're working for a federal employer. And who are the federal employers? That would be the post office, right? And, uh, and other federal agencies, right? Uh, and uh, other people who had a federal employer identification number. Yeah, that's right, an EIN. Anybody with an EIN is a federal employer with a federal employer identification number. He will employ you and write down your federal employee identification number, and he will take from you your Corvi, what you owe the government each month, each day, each year, uh, in order to provide you with your welfare, your individual welfare, not uh, general welfare, individual welfare. And uh, when I wrote and explained how this works and gave them the link to employee versus enslaved, uh, one fellow wrote back early this morning, and uh, he said, uh, uh, Gregory, or Brother Gregory or something, uh, does not believe in charity, does not believe in helping out the needy. And the Bible says we should. What on God's green earth makes you think that Social Security, health care, uh, any of these things, free education, public schools, is charity. That's not charity. I don't know about you, but when I look at the word charity, I think of something that is given freely. Those institutions and those schemes and those social programs from public education on, are not charity. They come from men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. They force you to contribute by force. That's right. But it's legal force, legally applied force, because you signed up. If you're taking the benefit, you owe the tax. Very simple. Now, Christ said, oh, no man. Christ said, pray to the Father for your daily bread, for your public education, for your uh, health care. You should pray to the Father. And in congregation, you guys could be providing for those needs of your society without any difficulty whatsoever. You could easily do it. And you could do it better and more efficiently and more justly. You would actually strengthen the poor. And this is what I wrote back today, is I pointed out that uh, general welfare and individual and private welfare are not the same thing. And I sent along the article uh, that we have up on the website that Davy Crockett wrote many years ago about uh, an attempt by Congress to provide private welfare for an individual beyond the scope of, of what the law requires because they actually were in tremendous need. And he says, I'll take in my pocket, but when the government provides it, they're not taking from their pocket, they're taking from the people's pocket. And there's two things that are robbed when you do that. Two things are taken away when you do that. One is, of course, the money. They took the money out of the public coffers, the treasury, the royal treasury of the government, individual. And that's not the purpose that was there. It was for general welfare, general expenses, 
not for a private individualist. So that's one thing that's right away wrong, and it's explained rather well by a farmer to uh, Crockett, and then uh, Crockett passed it on to us, and I pass it on to you. But there's another thievery that's going on. They're stealing your right to choose to be charitable. They're taking away your discretion, your mental, moral choice to help one another. They're robbing you of charity itself. And your society without that flow of charity in it will become weak and weaker. And the individual will become weak because he'll become more dependent upon welfare. Disability check, his social security check. He's dependent upon it. He needs it. He can't do without it now. He is addicted to it. It's weakened society. It weakens him as a member of society. But it's this lack of charity, choice, the choice of charity, that really weakens society. I need a little bit of feedback if any of you are hearing. And, uh, and let me know, uh, and I'll check it at the break. So anyway, the um, uh, point is that this is what is weakening society. And I, I get in the quote about Sodom and Gomorrah. What was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah in the time of affluence, in the time of abundance? They did not strengthen the poor. Well, we've had abundance in America. And we have weakened the poor. And not only the poor in the flesh, the people who are in need, but the society itself, the poor in spirit, those who, you know, charity comes a little hard, it's a little hard to give sometimes. And what it has happened, it has spiritually constipated the nation. We are plugged up something terrible. And we're going to talk about that more. Uh, you'll actually hear it on First Amendment Radio. We're going to be on uh, Randy Yarbrough's show uh, Thursday, uh, 3 o'clock our time. I'll figure out when that is in your time zone. But I won't be on with Randy. Randy won't be there. Uh, I'll be on with Paul Martin. And that's the very question he's going to ask is that, Jesus said, all these things you should do, and greatest things than these you shall also do, and he doesn't see us doing them. Why doesn't he see us doing them? Well, it's because we aren't listening to Christ. We aren't living according to Christ. In a time of affluence, we aren't strengthening the poor. We're weakening the poor, including ourselves, because we have strayed away from the poor. You're listening to FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Strum, and regular guest, World Tom, at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, one 800 Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. 
government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. Uh, we are going to have a fall festival in September. Uh, we'll tell more about that on the Living Network. Uh, we are starting to produce yurts. Uh, we've got through several prototypes, which we're selling on Craigslist. Uh, but we will be selling more on a regular basis. We're having a little bit of supply problem for wood, but it's coming. Uh, they had some machinery breakdown and milling it, and uh, we should be picking that up. And you will find uh, uh, the website just went up, uh, yurtcity.com, uh, but we don't have the prices up yet, and we don't have a lot of the video up, and we don't have a lot of the pictures up, but we will be putting that up shortly. And that will be how we will sustain this ministry because uh, we're going into a depression and a recession and whatever you want to call it. And uh, the regular manual labor we do has not been in as great a demand because the money is not out there to pay us. <laughs> so, so we're uh, going to uh, invent our own job, and and hopefully that will help us uh, uh, provide uh, for our own as well as make tents for other people. Uh, so anyway, that's a, that's a couple of things. We're also going to expand the network. Uh, more and more, if you're not on the Living Network, you need to join that. Uh, you need to meet with other people because we can't help you when hard times come, uh, but people locally can. And uh, it's very important that we create a network not dependent upon the electronics of our modern time, not dependent upon even telephones or what have you, but actual physical networks on the ground in local communities tied by knowledge and relationships with other communities far away. You're going to have to set aside your personal doctrines, your personal religions, your personal philosophies, and start getting down to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, and start taking care of one another. And you are so far away from that, you are literally... It's like waking up in the matrix. You can't even use your arms and legs. I mean, you have been atrophied for so long that you cannot function in a free society. And as I eventually said in that original post, the Constitutionalist, you will all be free eventually. You just will not all survive freedom because you live in a socialist welfare state for so long you have become your your limbs, the limbs needed to to live as free people has atrophied. 
you are spiritually constipated except for uh, the enemies that are given you <laughs> by society and you you are not able to do the things that Christ said and the greater things you are also not going to be able to do and you are going to need to do those things if you are going to survive the days ahead because the catastrophes that are coming are far more than mere depressions or, or, or uh, famine far more uh, I, I couldn't even tell you it'd be too scary <laughs> so and I'm not going to dwell on that because what you want to be doing is seeking that kingdom and so you know obviously the fellow who you know he, he writes back uh, uh, suggesting that somehow I don't believe in charity when actually that's exactly what I do believe in is charity. He doesn't believe in charity. He believes in benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. He doesn't believe in Christ. You know, that's that's the amazing thing. These people say, oh, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm born again. I'm uh, Yeah, right. And why are you coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other? Who do you pray to for your daily bread? Who do you apply to for your daily bread? Now, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to condemn those people who are on welfare or, or government aid or whatever it is. I'm not condemning you. What, what, what you're doing has got you in enough trouble. I'm trying to say, set the table of the Lord. Turn around. Someone I met with this last week was talking about a piece of property nearby here. I just talked to the owners recently. Actually, there's a couple of pieces of property in this valley uh, that could be purchased probably for a fairly reasonable amount. Uh, you know, not an overbearing price. And a person could start to improve that property and, and, and uh, used to have hydroelectric on one of them. Uh, the old pelt wheel is still there. It's down in the mud and... and not being used, but a you know, person could hook it back up again and irrigate, and um, there's a pond on it, uh, there's some buildings on it, there, uh, but it's, it's something that could be made as a refuge for other people, other congregations of people, uh, and you could fix it up, and you could add to our already strong community. Uh, there's another piece of property. We have to purchase it this year. We are interested in selling some of it off to other people of a copacetic mind. We'd rather not. We'd rather use it simply for church purposes and other ministers of the church and develop it in that way. But if, if it comes down to finances, that's what it comes down to. If we don't buy it this year, we will probably not ever be able to buy it. Uh, because our option to buy it runs out. It's, it's an extremely valuable piece of property, but we can get it for very little money, but very little money is a lot of money to us. But you should be doing that in your own communities, in your own local communities, uh, whether you're in Texas or in um, uh, Carolinas or in uh, Michigan. You should be getting together with local people. Now, how do you do that? How do you find them? People say, oh, there's nobody in our area. There's all kinds of people in your area that you have never spoke to, never uh, communicated with and it would be very difficult for you to go out there door to door which is why we're on the radio why we're promoting the network if you see those emails that I sent out to that constitutional group I said you know join the network if you're interested in doing for others as much as you are and having it done for you if you're just interested in being free for yourself you might as well stay on that constitutional group and keep arguing and debating until the cows come home because that is not the kingdom, and the slothful shall be under tribute, and should be under tribute. And when they cry out, God will not hear them, which is why you're not doing the greater thing. You know, and I'm not going to tell you about some of those greater things that are actually being done. You know, this is a walk of faith. You know, I mentioned some things, you know, people should not read into it too much. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you these things so that you realize that you need to do things locally. 
You need to do things in your local communities. And I point to the network constantly, trying to get more and more people to join in Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, uh, Virginia. Uh, I've had people actually leave the network because they say, I don't see anything going on, so I'm leaving. Well, nothing's going on because you're not doing anything. Get me on your local radio station. Get somebody on your local radio stations that are talking about the network. I mean, you, you hear it everywhere. Um, Glenn Beck. I mean, people got a lot of complaints about Glenn Beck. Uh, you know, I'm actually getting a little feedback on our phone lines here, and I want to know if it's going back out there. I got a good uh, some emails from several people in Texas and stuff that said they were, things were coming too loud and clear. Um, so I want to know if anybody, the earphones I have are very sensitive. So if anybody's picking up any other uh, voices or noises on this line, let me know. Because uh, you're our monitors. This is teamwork. This is how it works. Uh, and one, one person's computer might pick up what another computer is not picking up. So uh, uh, let me know what you're hearing. Listen closely. And uh, uh, be critical so that we can get this fine-tuned. But anyway, back to the problem. You need that local network. Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz talks about it. Glenn Beck talks about it. Faith, Hope, and Charity, they talk about it. But you can't just talk about these things. You actually have to put them into uh, implemented situation. And that's why we wrote the Free Church Report, to show you how you can start in that direction now. And our church means we talk about growing our own seeds. We talk about... Uh, providing health care for each other and the need for each other. Uh, these are the things because we're a community. That's what a congregation is. It's a mobile community congregating together with one purpose, one mind. Now, you don't have that right now, and that's why you have to have forgiveness because you can get closer to that. Hard times will bring that about if you meet hard times with forgiveness and love amongst each other. Because that's where your salvation is going to be, is in that character of Christ. Salvation in this world and the next. You cannot neglect your neighbor. You cannot live by coveting your neighbor's goods. You cannot live by calling on the name of Christ in vain and not doing the things that Jesus said and expect to be taken into heaven when you die, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't really know what that picture is. I, I doubt it's a lot of clouds and harps and white roads. But people draw these pictures. So, um, in the book, and this is what we were going over last week, and, and you can go to the archives and, and uh, hear what we talked about. We've talked about a number of things, uh, the guidelines performing in his church congregation, and, and also the same guidelines are used by... Uh, any uh, uh, his church organization uh, or auxiliary and it's a matter of record and keeping those records because that as I said our memories are not perfect and we need those records just like you pound a stake in the ground when you set up your garden so the grandkids don't go into it and so that you pound your stake in the ground so that your neighbors don't plow into your field this is your field that's his field and you pound those stakes in the ground. And that's what the paperwork is for. It's pounding those stakes in the ground to make it visible so that other people will see you and not run over you. And the fact is is that if you do this properly, you will have some protection from the paperwork alone, from the record alone. But eventually, we're going to have to have the protection of God down there on the shores of the Red Sea. So once you have this structure, set up, you need to act accordingly. Be instant to forgiveness. Instantaneously forgive. Whether you are really offended or you imagine you, you are offended, you have to instantaneously forgive. You don't carry any kind of grudge. You absolutely cannot carry any grudges into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you know, that's the whole thing of the parable. If you've got something against your brother, go resolve that issue. Or, or before you go do anything else. And that's what we do. I don't have any grudges against anybody. 
You know, there may be deep buried down in my subconscious somewhere, and I'm working on that, but basically I don't. You know, I've worked with people for a long time, and I've had to break off relationships with some of them, but it isn't because I carry a grudge. It's because they're not doing what they say. And I, I and, and in the guidelines, it says if a, if a church congregation doesn't keep records, you have to terminate that congregation. Now, you, I don't terminate them like the world does. They kick in the door and actually shoot you. I terminate them by saying, I can't recognize. This is a congregation of record because it has no record. Very simple little concept. So we went over the guidelines, very simple thing. It just shows you how to lay this out, this structure, these dry bones, how they fit together. But then now we're up on page 13 in my copy of the Free Church Report. Uh, and we're talking about lively stones of a living altar. Very important that we have congregations of ministers who have no personal estate and own all things in common. And the constitutionalists mentioned that, that the church owned all things in common. Well, so it was a social democracy? So it was a communist regime? No, people don't understand that phrase because they don't understand the history, they don't understand the law, how it worked and what they were doing. Who was Hoses? Why did he become Barnabas? Who was Ananias? And why did he drop dead? Because he didn't give some of the money from his property. And why did that chapter begin with the word but? And we go over this in the Free Church Report and another recording, so we won't go over it now, but i just leave those questions out there. If you don't know the answers, you haven't been diligent in your study. No, it wasn't a communist government, but there were some men who set aside the little flock who did not have a personal estate, sold everything they had, and began, became the bondservants of Christ. Now, they had stuff in their control, but they didn't own it as a personal estate. They were trustees, and God uses this concept of trustees for whose purposes? Christ, who's the beneficiary of the altars of God. Christ and what did Christ say to do with what you want to give him just feed my sheep care for one another see to, you know that you are healthy and prosper so that is the goal of what is received by the ministers of Christ for Christ is to go and use it for the people but it has to be given up entirely very simple concepts. Genius who figured this out, which was God. This is the plan. Have these living stones who take care of the people, who are the benefactors who do not exercise authority one over the other. Because we're not supposed to be like the benefactors who do. We are to be the servants of the people, for the people, by the people, by your contribution to take care of one another. Now, does that mean everybody's got to send money to me? No. Well, if you want this message to get out, sure, you can support that. But I can't help you in your local welfare problem. You know, if you're in Massachusetts or uh, Maine or Australia, I can't. I, I don't have those resources. The network could if the network was really the kingdom of God and operating accordingly. But that's up to you. There's no giant organization to join. Christianity has always been in the minority. And it starts with two or more gathered together according to the character of Christ. And they pick a minister. Because they think he's representative of Christ and the character of Christ. And they give him stuff from time to time to help take care of their needs. And what we're showing you is how to make that work in today's world, to navigate to today's labyrinth of walls and laws so that you can have a free congregation take care of one, taking care of one another. But you need these lively stones in order to make this mechanically work in the world. But more important than that, you need the Spirit of Christ. Now, I've seen a number of people over the years, I mean, I can't even count how many who talk about being those lively stones. 
But I find that often they aren't as patient as they need to be, aren't as forgiving as they need to be, aren't as long-suffering as they need to be. Uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes they're paranoid. Uh, sometimes they're actually malicious. We've had guys to come here that have actually been actually evil people by choice. But we've had some good people, too. But we need to become more organized. But that organization must be born of the Spirit. You must choose to organize. You must choose to stand together. We're not going to tie you together. We're not going to bind you to us. You are free to come and go. We're about opening gates, not closing them. We're about tearing down walls, not building them up. The altars of clay, that was every family. But these ordained ministers of God, this little flock, they are a gathering of families on another level. Not a better level, just another level. Not a higher level, just another level. A different aspect of the same thing. It's kind of like the transition from bone to cartilage to, to muscle. All came from the same two cells. But the cells are very different in their function. All a part of the whole, making the whole work, functioning together as a whole. And so we're looking for those ministers who want to enter into holy orders, separate system, for the service of others, not so they can get out of paying income tax, but actually serve as Christ served. Had to have a very sacrificial nature, very forgiving nature, very patient nature, very long-suffering nature, very self-starting nature and to build this network. Now, what can you do as individuals now? You can build a network. Don't tell me you're gonna leave the network because there's not enough people there. There's actually a tremendous amount of people there. I mean, uh, just just one group alone the other day, I, there are groups that are bigger, but there's one I saw that was 45 people on the group. You only see posts from about three or four. That's that spiritual constipation. If you're all altars of clay, how come we don't hear from all of you? Now, don't just post to these groups, uh, oh, bad things are coming. Post the solution. We're the solution. How do you do that? Now, George uh, in Massachusetts, I heard through the grapevine that he's got some way that I think he's tapping into... Uh, local co-ops or farms to get fresh vegetables and foods from local farmers and we suggest you do that we send out a thing on the contact ministers group and that should go out to the network uh, all the contact ministers didn't pass that on i find that interesting but they need to be forming that group with the purpose and intent of uh helping one another so if you live in the cities, you need to find your own sources, other than the grocery stores, the corporate grocery stores, for your food. You need to find a better source of food, more dependable source of food. And in the process of doing that, you will befriend farmers in the countryside. Now, if your congregation can't get together and purchase a retreat ground out of town somewhere that you can grow your own food and vegetables on, and you certainly can do that through the church, yeah, the, a congregation could purchase land outside the city uh, in a remote area that is good farming land and actually hire local farmers to farm it for you just by leasing it out to them. But that's your retreat ground to retreat to. And you can go there during the summer or winter and for uh, solitude. You can put up a cabin and everybody have timeshares, and it's all the church. But you have to do it. You have to work at doing it together in your local community. These are ideas. We already have these kinds of things going on out here, but do you have them going on where you're at? Now imagine this. Draw the picture in your mind. You got somebody in Massachusetts, somebody in Virginia, somebody in Oklahoma, somebody in Illinois, somebody in Indiana, somebody in, and they all have congregations and they all have either re 
street grounds or connections with local farmers or maybe some of the people that have come into their congregation already have a farm out in the country and in their network of congregations. And, uh, you know, if there are shortages of fuel, there'll be a demand for manual labor on these farms. And you could actually go and uh, help those farmers out and develop the relationships of trust that are going to be needed in a free society. Uh, by purchasing from that farmer direct, you may be able to give him a little bit better price, and certainly that will be a better price for you. And as a congregation, only one of you has to drive out to the farm and pick it up, the guy with a pickup. And he comes back and redistributes that food in communion with his other members of his congregation. And they all, they all pitch in for it, and that's better for you. Uh, because you know what that farmer has done to that meat. We have some meat here for sale here in Oregon. I can't send it to Massachusetts, but people in Oregon, they can buy some uh, cows on the hoof, some lambs on the hoof, some uh, older cows on the hoof where you can get lots of good hamburger. We don't give vaccinations to our animals. They're grass-fed. Uh, they're much healthier meat. And, and that's that's available here. If you get together in congregations, you guys can buy a whole steer. And we can have it cut and wrap. specifications distributed amongst you. As you see fit in your local congregation, much of This is what you must do. Until we meet again, and those of you who want to meet on the talk show, You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.